Welcome to another episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa, Florida. And in tonight's episode, we are going to talk. Got a little officiating trip that I'm going to, a little officiating camp that I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk NBA Finals. The matchup is finally set, Toronto and Golden State. We'll break down the conference final finals a little bit and then we will preview the NBA finals which will start on Thursday night in Toronto. Also going to talk Drake or his antics over the top. What would you do if you were a player, an opposing player to Drake? We're going to talk a little bit of turmoil in Los Angeles. The Lakers just cannot get out of their own way. Just more disasters more stories, in-depth stories coming out about the Lakers' dysfunction. Palinka, Jeannie Buss, Magic Johnson, LeBron James's agents involved. All kind of juicy details that have been coming out of Los Angeles. We're also going to talk NHL Stanley Cup Finals. We've got that matchup. St. Louis and Boston. We just had a finish, a great finish to Game 2. Series is tied 1-1 after St. Louis wins a great overtime game 3-2 in Boston. So the series will head back to St. Louis 1-1. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little baseball. Some surprise teams. you got the Minnesota Twins. you got the AL East with the Rays are doing great. The Yankees are hanging in there with all the injuries still. And then we've got a disaster brewing in Washington with the Nationals. What to do? Fire the manager, clean house, trade away some big big salary players. What are you doing, Washington? And then lastly, we'll talk about some a little bit of tragedy that happened in the sports world this week. There's been a couple of just brutal uh, people, great people in the sports world have passed away. So we'll, we'll commemorate them. First off, happy Memorial Day to every, all the service uh, men and women out there as well as their families. Obviously, uh, Monday, Memorial Day is obviously always a very uh, somber holiday You know, for us here in the United States, celebrating all of the uh, military personnel that have sacrificed, the ultimate sacrifice for us, for us to enjoy the ability to listen to sports, watch sports, go to the beach, barbecue, do all the fun things we like to do in our life and sometimes some of the not-so-fun things we like to do in our life, all because of the freedom our uh, current military and former military personnel have provided all of us. So happy Memorial Day to everybody. My dad uh, was a a veteran, so big shout-out to Mr. Dick Powers for his service, so thanks for that, and also uh, all the other people that I know my people in my circle of friends that I know that several people I know that have military uh, experiences and so I salute you all thank you for everything you've done and continue to do to provide freedom for us here in the United States of America all right so let's talk I am heading to Oxford Mississippi on Thursday I'm heading to a big football officiating camp that's held up on the campus at Ole Miss this weekend. It's going to be Friday, Saturday. It's a kind of a camp that I'm going to go to to try to get 
uh, a lay of the land as far as trying to enter the world of college officiating. Uh, to get into that uh, realm and that world is very difficult, not very easy to do. So I'm heading to a, this camp is kind of a well-known camp where there'll be a lot of college supervisors, officiating supervisors, people that do the hiring at different levels of college football from probably the junior college level, the Division II level, Division I AA level, level as well as some Division uh, one uh, evaluators and decision makers that, that make some decisions as far as hiring officials. There'll be a plethora of NFL and college uh officials at this at this camp as acting as clinicians so looking forward to that and uh again flying into memphis tennessee on thursday night and staying until sunday morning where we'll be flying back here to tampa so that's kind of what my weekend looks like uh against these next couple months is a little bit of a lull in the football schedule and we'll be cranking up here before long in uh, mid-july as far as getting ready for the for the high school season again and you never know maybe we'll get an opportunity to call some college football somewhere all right so let's talk nba finals matchup we got the toronto raptors we the north have finally escaped all the demons from years past they were able to overcome the milwaukee bucks after a 2-0 start from milwaukee the raptors run off four straight games, and advance to the NBA Finals. A heroic effort by Kawhi Leonard and company. He had big performances throughout the series by had a couple big games by Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, had a huge uh, seven three-pointers in game five in Milwaukee, and then wrapped it up in game six with Milwaukee getting it done taking care of business at home in Toronto uh, in a very good game at the end. Uh, just very surprising how the, how the Milwaukee Bucks just faded away after, after jumping out to a 2-0 lead. Giannis Antetokounmpo and company just uh, unable to make big shots, st- very stagnant in the half-court offense, very tough time scoring when it wasn't a, a transition situation. And one of the things, you, if you watch the series at all, you really saw some of the deficiencies in Giannis's game, the inability to make a 12, 15-foot jump shot, as well as much of a post game. Um, he really is really tremendous player, no doubt about it, freak athlete. Uh, but when it comes down to having to play the same team six, seven times that are high, it's a high-quality defensive team as Toronto is. They basically just set up a wall and played almost a zone defense and said, Giannis, if you're gonna beat, you're not gonna beat us. We're gonna make you get rid of the, uh, give up the ball, and if you are gonna try to go through the wall, then you're gonna have to make 12, 15 footers, and he was just unable to do so. His three point shooting is 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 nowhere near where it's gonna be in a couple years, um, and again, I think you really saw the the youth of of the Milwaukee Bucks playoff experience wise. They really struggled, again, in the half-court situation. Chris Middleton, up and down, up and down. I just He's a free agent to be, and I just don't see him as a max player. I mean, I think Milwaukee will try to keep him, but if you pay him the max, I think you're making a big mistake. I think he's a good number three option on a team, but you cannot pay him like a, a max player. Uh, good team in Milwaukee. They just uh, 
ran into a ran into kind of a destiny kind of situation. You know, obviously with Kawhi hitting the game winner against Philly in Game Seven, the four bounces off the rim. You know, Kawhi after Game Two, lots of speculation about whether he was injured or not. He looks like he tweaked his ankle on a, on a on a breakaway dunk, and he he didn't have much explosion throughout the series. But man, could he? Did he score when they needed him to score? Late third quarter, uh, middle of the fourth quarter, he was just the go-to guy. Mid-range jump shots, hit some key threes, was able to get to the foul line. And again, another one of Giannis's uh, deficiencies in this series was his foul shooting. He shot under 50% from the foul line in the series when he was normally a 75% shooter during the regular season, just unacceptable. And I think I think the the pressure of the moment got to him a little bit. I think he he was trying to do too much. It was either get all the way to the rim or or, or nothing for Giannis. And um, I think you'll see a, a Giannis come back next year, very much uh, improved in the mid range game. That is, if he gets a mid range game where he can pull up and hit a 12, 15 foot jumper, he will be unstoppable because he's devastating in transition. If he gets, you know. One on one against somebody, it's virtually impossible to stop the guy without fouling him. So, Giannis really has to uh, use this offseason to really stress his shooting, mid range shooting. He's, he, you know, and even even a post game, you know, you have to develop a move or two that, that you can utilize in the low post, shoot with both hands. You know, he struggled a little bit with the left hand. So, hopefully, developing that. If you're Milwaukee, uh, again, you got a pretty good team around you. You got Bledsoe, you got Middleton, you got George Hill. If you can bring Middleton back at a reasonable price, I definitely would do that. Uh, you know, Brooke Lopez is a free agent. He was a very solid player for him, uh, perimeter player. They got a good, they got a pretty good bench. So um, I think Milwaukee's going to be in the mix here for the next several years. Good front office, good head coach. Uh, in the West, we had Toronto, or we had Portland and Golden State with Golden State rolling to a sweep. Even though they win four straight games, Portland was up double digits at least twice, if not three times in the series to, 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 to all but below the lead and all three times, obviously, for a sweep. It's almost like Golden State was just playing with Toronto, I mean, with Portland, excuse me, and McCollum and, and Dame Lillard are excellent players. But he needs one more piece. Nurkic, their big center, was out with an injury. They just need they need another big third score, and I think Nurkic could be the guy. But you also have to you have to also need one more wing player. You need a small forward, power forward kind of guy that can contribute. You know, twelve to fifteen points a game, solid rebounding, and all that. Um, if it was me, I would probably break up the backcourt, McCollum and Lillard. I'd probably look to make a trade for. Trade McCollum to get some one more piece to help Dame Lillard. Though I will say Lillard is kind of snake bitten versus the Warriors. He's an Oakland kid, grew up in Oakland, just cannot get over the hump with the Warriors. And any, every time they 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 try to go basket for basket, they're just not. Portland is just not good enough to to go basket for basket with the Warriors. The three point shooting of Clay and Steph. Draymond was tremendous in the series, was the MVP of the series, no doubt about it. With his ball handling, his you know he's kind of a point forward uh, situation. Um, no KD, no DeMarcus Cousins. Again, just uh, Iguodala was out game four. He, he tweaked his calf. So 
Injuries is the big concern for the Warriors heading into the finals. And they've come off an 11, they're going to be coming off an 11 day layoff. So it'll be interesting to see how they play in game one. Toronto does have home court advantage, which is kind of the first time in the, in the Warriors era that I think that's happened. Uh, and the Warriors, the Warriors have definitely a dynasty to play for. They are playing to be a dynasty. It will be four out of five titles. These players will be immortals if they win this title. If they lose this title, it's not going to be a dynasty, and it's going to be a, a very tough uh, argument to make that they're one of the best teams of all time uh, with this group if you lose to Toronto and you've lost to Cleveland. Um, but if they win the title here, four out of five will be dynasty uh, material. They'll have to be recognized in the annals of the NBA history as one of the best teams ever, uh, one of the best groups of, of players ever. Uh, the big debate here is with KD. Does KD come back in the series? Does he not? Um, not going to play game one, probably won't play game two. It's going to be very interesting to see if he'll be able to come back game three game four, game five kind of situation. I think it'll kind of depend on how the series is going. Um, all the talk leading up to the finals is, are the Warriors better with KD, without KD in the lineup? And I think it's really irritating KD. He's getting a lot of questions in the media. They're always talking about it's not KD's not part of the, of the Warriors. It's KD and the Warriors. So big free agent decision to come for KD as we head to the offseason. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens if, if the Warriors were to lose the series and KD doesn't play, and how much does do the Warriors then value KD in the offseason as opposed to if the Warriors win the series without KD or if they win the series and KD maybe comes back for game three, game four kind of situation, how all that plays out and what the narrative will be um, after the season. But um, some couple key matchups in the, in the Toronto-Golden State NBA Finals, you're going to have Who's going to guard Kawhi Leonard? Do the, do, are, is Golden State going to double-team him to get the ball out of his hands to make somebody else beat them? I believe that's what they're going to do. Their history has shown that here at this in this postseason run. When you played the Clippers, they were having issues with Lou Williams, so they double-teamed him. When they played the Rockets, it was James Harden. When they played the Blazers, it was Damian Lillard. I fully expect... Golden State to double-team Kawhi Leonard at the big moments of the game. You're going to get a lot of Clay Thompson, a lot of Andre Iguodala guarding him. Uh, and again, I think you're going to get a lot of – in any kind of critical moments, you're going to get a lot of double teams. You're going to, they're going to make Siakam, Lowry, Van Vliet make shots. They are not going to go, get, go down with the sword with, with Kawhi Leonard's uh, slicing them up for 35 to 40 points a game. In my opinion, Kawhi is going to have to score 30-plus in this series for, for Toronto to have a chance, and you're going to need to get some significant scoring from Lowry. I think a guy, a kind of a secret guy in this series could be Mark Gasol, skilled player, can shoot the three, uh, good offensive rebounder, good defensive player, has played the Warriors a bunch, so he understands spacing the schemes that they're going to probably try to play, both offensively and defensively. Um, it'll be interesting how the how the Warriors match up with Gasol. Will it be Looney? Will it be Bogut? Will DeMarcus Cousins get many minutes? Sounds like DeMarcus Cousins is going to be able to play here game one or game two. Limited minutes. The guy hasn't played in six, seven, in, in you know five, six weeks. His conditioning level's never been ideal, and obviously with not being able to run much in the last uh, four or five weeks, 
He won't be able to play but three, maybe two, three and a half, four minute spurts at a time. If I was the Warriors, I, I would I would bring him off the bench, no doubt about it. I think he could be a little bit of an offensive spark with the bench. Uh, when Clay's out of the game, Steph's maybe out of the game um, type situation, he could be a guy you could go to in the low post for two or three minute burst to try to get you know four six points out of him. Uh, he still is a very good low post player, um, good picker, pretty decent perimeter shooter for his size. So. How you use DeMarcus Cousins in this series will be very interesting for Steve Kerr. Uh, you can't start him. No way you can start him. Looney deserves to start. Looney's been definitely been the glue in the middle there. He's been, done a great job uh, being a kind of a garbage guy around the rim, offensive rebounds, stuff like that. So the other big matchup is to me is going to be Lowry and Steph Curry. I think uh, Lowry's going to definitely try to – take advantage of Curry on the defensive end. And I think Curry and Thompson are going to really run the Raptors with their ball movement and their screening and all that. It's going to be interesting how the Raptors match up with Van Vliet, with Lowry, with Siakam. How are they going to, ma- how are they going to match up with Clay and Steph? And who's going to handle Draymond? Is Draymond going to cover Kawhi Leonard? Is, who's going to, is Siakam going to try to cover uh, Draymond? Um, you know, it's gonna be some interesting matchups and in how and how both teams decide to do this. Um, my prediction is gonna be Golden State in six games. Maybe if maybe five if, if go to me if Golden State wins game one coming off an eleven day layout layoff, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a five game series. If Toronto can somehow if Toronto can win game one, I could see Toronto extending the series to six games. But again, in my opinion, Golden State's going to win the series either way. But again, to me, Game One is a must-win game if you're Toronto to have any chance to pull off the to pull off the upset in the series. Again, Kawhi is going to need to go for probably thirty plus, average thirty plus in the series. Obviously, they can't have any. He can't have any more uh, lingering injuries, situ- in, uh, issues, tweaks, whatever you want to call it. You know, his explode his his his. He had very little lift on his jumpers and his explosion to the rim at the at the tail end of the Milwaukee series. Toronto has had four days off, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that rest time. Uh, and again, playing in Toronto is going to be an advantage for the Raptors. You have one Drake sitting courtside. All his antics during the Milwaukee series. If I was Golden State, I would almost one time sacrifice for the good I would just throw an errant pass at him in the front row and try to make you know try to nail him right between you know right in the forehead or something in a situation where maybe he's not paying full attention and just get his attention because Drake has been an absolute uh, distraction for the league uh, I know it's good that he's an ambassador for the team and, and they're kind of their, their their version of Spike Lee but some of the stuff that he's doing and some of the antics are just are just ridiculous and um, be interesting to see how how Golden State reacts to some of that stuff, especially Draymond, you know, Demarcus Cousins, those kind of guys that are volatile. Um, and the other part of this uh, equation for this series is going to be interesting is the officiating. Um, you know, if you noticed, Draymond has been exceptionally uh, well behaved here in the, the last two rounds of the playoffs. Um, I think he realizes the importance of his him being on the court and his uh, emotional stability. You know he played great last series against Portland with very with again very little outbursts and stuff like that to the officials and when he just plays basketball 
he's a hell of a player. He's a great uh, tweener. He can he can rebound. He can block shots. He's just a great positional defender. He can initiate the offense, lead the fast break. I mean, he's just a very well-rounded player when he when his mind's in the game and he's and he's focusing on basketball. So, be interesting to see how if the officiating dictates any outbursts from Demarcus or um, Draymond. All right, let's pivot a little bit to the disaster, the the, the, the clown show that's going on in L.A. Palinka, Raw, Magic, Genie Bus. Now there's now there's speculation about some of the involvement of LeBron's agent, Rich Paul. So big story came out uh, yesterday concerning the Lakers turmoil, just about some of the behavior and some of the uh, disrespect kind of being shown by magic towards other employees in the organization. Just the, the backstabbing and the, and the, and the spite that's going on there, just how there's, they're kind of just directionless in LA, how Palinka got basically got caught lying to, to, to a bunch of draft prospects about a Kobe inter, interaction with Heath Ledger. Palinka basically was saying that he had an interaction, that Kobe met Heath Ledger six months after Keith, Heath Ledger was dead. Just basically bold-faced lying and got caught. You know, why is he doing that? Uh, Jeannie Buss just continues to allow this, this, this the circus to, 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 to unfold in L.A., without making a without making some decisions and some executive organizational decisions. So just very interesting to see how all this is going to play out. Frank Vogel introduced last week. Jeannie Buss not at the press conference. No statement from Jeannie concerning the hire. You haven't heard anything out of Jeannie Buss concerning the Magic Johnson Palinka situation. So this is just just more and more issues. How this will affect the, the Lakers and free agency will be very, very interesting. The Lakers have got to find a way to get another big free agent in there, uh, whether it's Kawhi, whether it's uh, you know Kyrie Irving. Lots of speculation that the Lakers are recruiting Kyrie Irving very hard to try to reunite him with LeBron. Um, you know, you got KD on the market, you got Kawhi on the market, you got Kyrie on the market. Um, so just lots and lots of free agent decisions, but the Lakers have got to get somebody. And if you have to. You don't want to have to go get Kemba Walker, you, you, Jimmy Butler potentially, but you, you really want to get one of these other guys before you get into that market um, and avoid that. And obviously you have the Anthony Davis trade-up possibility with the Pelicans. Apparently Anthony Davis met with uh, David Griffith today in New Orleans, so it would be interesting how that, what that conversation led to, whether they're going to move forward and trying to trade him this offseason or if they're going to try to play it out and try to pair him with Zion Williams and see if that, that maybe works out to their benefit. So, all right, last last nugget from the NBA. Word out of Houston is everybody is available in a possible trade scenario. Chris Paul, Capella, maybe even James Harden. Sounds like Daryl Morey is going to blow, blow up the Rockets a little bit and just realizing they, that current crop of guys can't beat the Warriors for what they are. If they're able to find a taker for Chris Paul, you definitely got to trade Chris Paul. You can't have three more years of that contract at about $35 million. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Capella's moved. Uh, he's making a ton of money. and is, I know he's a good player, but he's not hes not a max player, in my opinion, from the money he's making. You've got to get a more traditional roster in place to help James Harden. It cannot be a isolation, dribble, 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 all we do is shoot three kind of scenario. Um 
Defensively, they're okay, but you just got to find some more help and some more economical uh, help for the, for the Rockets and give you some economic flexibility. Um, doubt they would even consider trading James Harden, but you never know. It'd be a situation where, you ne- I mean, obviously you never know, and typically you never get equal value for a megastar, but um, I would not expect James Harden to be dealt, but I would expect either Capella and or Chris Paul to be on the move um, to get younger and to get some more financial flexibility. I don't know who's going to take Chris Paul at this stage with $35 million for the next three years. Still a decent player, but he ain't $35 million. Uh, and knowing you got to pay him for three more years is going to be going to be an issue with his injury history. All right. So to reach out to the Powers on Sports podcast, reach out to us on Twitter at KickTheFB. KickTheFB. Let's hear from you. If you got any t- suggestions, comments about the, the, the podcast, let's hear from you. At KickTheFB on Twitter. Just made aware today that the podcast is going to be available on Radio.com here pretty soon. We're, we're available on Stitcher. We're available on Apple Podcasts. So subscribe, tell a friend. I also post the, uh, the podcast on my Twitter account as well as my Facebook page. So we got to get some listener uh, participation here going on the on the podcast. Let's hear from you. We got a couple interviews coming up in the near future. We're going to be interviewing a ESPN broadcaster, Andrew Felios, a friend of mine. We're also going to be interviewing a couple of coaches here. So be on the lookout in the coming weeks for those interviews here on the podcast. And again, let's hear from you. We'll talk about topics you want to talk about. I'll respond to questions you might have. Again, at KickTheFB is the Twitter handle. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, finals. We got the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. Series is tied 1-1. Game one was initially dominated by St. Louis out to a 2-0 lead. Boston scores the next four goals and wins the series 4-0. Lots of people thought the series was over. Game two just concluded. Boston jumped out early in the first period, 2-0 in the first period. The Blues answer with two more goals in the first period to tie it up. I thought I was watching the first period, and I thought at 2-0 Boston, this game was getting ready to be a rout. But full credit to the St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube, Jordan Bennington, and that crew. Down 2-0 on the road, on the ropes. Come back, tie the game 2-2. No other goals are scored in regulation. And in overtime, the St. Louis Blues score the game winner. 3-2 win in Boston, game two. Series tied 1-1, back to St. Louis for games three and four. Uh, on, I believe Friday, Sunday or is, is, I believe, the schedule for the, for the NHL. So big credit, big kudos to Baruby. In the St. Louis Blues, first time they've been in the Stanley Cup final since 1970, where they where where they played the Boston Bruins of all teams. So pretty neat uh, accomplishment there for the, the for St. Louis. If you don't if you haven't been following the, the Blues, the Blues on January 2nd had the worst record in the NHL. They got in the playoffs. They pulled a couple of upsets. They knocked out the San Jose Sharks in six games in the Western Conference Final. 
Jordan Bennington, rookie goalie, was been their I think their third or fourth goalie this year. They've used. He's come out of nowhere and is just really taking uh, taking the Blues to the to, to the promised land. Solid team, excellent goaltending. New coach Baruby was appointed right around January second. Um, again, went from the worst team in the NHL to the Stanley Cup Finals. You got the Boston Bruins, the big favorites in this series, Tuka Rask and company, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Chara, all these veteran players, a, a well-rounded team, good goaltending, good defense, good offense. Uh, very surprised they blew the 2-0 lead today in, in Game 2, but I expect this to be at least a six-game series for sure and wouldn't be surprised if, this, if it goes to a seventh game. I'm going to take Boston to win the, win the series, and I'm going to say six games. Um I just think too much experience, a little too much offensive skill, and I think the goaltending is a little bit of an advantage to Tuka Rask. Not much, but a little bit a little bit of an edge. Tuka Rask over Bennington because of the experience level. So we'll go Boston in six games. Major League Baseball. We're, we're probably at, we're almost at the uh, the you know we've probably everybody's played about fifty games, a little over fifty games. So we're starting to get a sense of who's good and who's not. Big surprises to me are the Minnesota Twins in the AL Central. A huge lead in the division over the Cleveland Indians. Just the, the, the offensive firepower for the Twins is incredible. They're hitting home runs galore. Rocco Baldelli, the former Ray player, is now the manager there. Um, they're bashing the ball. I believe they're leading the, the all of Major League Baseball in home runs. RBIs, kind of on base percentage, doing a great job in Minnesota. They're getting enough, just enough pitching. Again, I think you'll see Minnesota be on the trade market for a starting pitcher come you know June, July, as we approach the All Star break and the trade deadline. So Minnesota is probably the biggest surprise. You got Houston running away from things in the AL West, even though Oakland's making a little move. Have they had just got finished with a ten game winning streak uh, in the AL East? You got the Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox are going to be. Three, it's going to be a three-way race the entire way. The Yankees just keep on finding ways to win with their depleted lineup. The Rays, underfunded, underappreciated, and everything else, but they just continue to win games. Um, it's really, really sad and embarrassing, the attendance in Tampa for the home games. I mean, this team is on pace to win almost 100 games this year, and they, they drew 5,700 people uh, on Tuesday night against the Toronto Blue Jays, which is just – it's just embarrassingly bad for a team that's in one game out of the uh, first place and is going to be in the playoffs almost certainly. I don't know what the problem is here in Tampa. I know the, the stadium issue has been an issue for a while as far as proximity and quality of, of the exp baseball experience, but come on, Tampa. we got a 100-win team, 90-to-100-win 90, 90 team in, uh, on your hands. They play baseball the right way. Kevin Cash doing a fantastic job managing the front office, putting together this roster with peanuts, low resources, low dollars. Come on, Tampa Bay. Get out and watch your Rays. Before, before you know it, they're going to be gone. Moved. Vegas. Portland. Charlotte. Nashville. Don't let that happen to our Rays. Get out to support the team. They got a hell of a team. Young players are all likable. Good pitching. Good farm system. Let's go. Washington. 
the Nationals are turning into a disaster. Dave Martinez on the Major League hot seat. I don't think he's going to make it to the All-Star break. They're just up. They're just no consistency. Um, the offense has been substandard at best with the loss of, of Harper. You've got Zimmerman's been hurt. Uh, they're very much going younger players, especially in the outfield. You have uh, some new guys in the outfield, Soto, Robles, those kind of guys. Trey Turner's back. The pitching has not been as good as advertised in previous years. Scherzer's been good, but the win-loss record's not been very good. Strasburg up and down. Corbin has been pretty decent, but do you trade Scherzer? Do you trade Strasburg if you could? Big decisions to be made in D.C. this summer. I don't think Dave Martinez is going to make it to the All-Star break. Um, sounds like there's some speculation that they might uh, promote Randy Knorr, the AAA manager here in the next 30 days or so. Um, but Dave Martinez just a, is just is, might just be a bench coach. Um, just not been very impressed with his managerial moves. The bullpen's been atrocious. Um, you know, I can't blame him for the positional players because he's not he's not picking the players. Uh, but big changes in, are in store in Washington this summer, I believe. There'll be some trades. Um, wouldn't shock me if they made a big trade with one of their big pitchers. So, All right. Jawan Howard, co quick college basketball nugget, was, was hired as the Michigan coach following John Beeline's departure to Cleveland in the NBA. I think this is a good move for Michigan to kind of reunite the fan base. You had all the problems with the the Fab Five and, and the issues with that with with the uh, forfeiting of the Final Four appearances and the win vacating the wins. I think Jawan Howard bringing a Michigan man back into the fold is a good move to follow uh, John Beeline. I think Howard's going to be able to recruit to, to Michigan. Um, the question is, can he coach? That we don't know. John Beeline was a tremendous developer of player talent. He never really got the huge five-star recruits, but he did a great job of developing talent, developing the three- and four-star recruits to become great team players, college players. He put a lot of guys in the NBA as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Jawan Howard handles the environment in Ann Arbor, the uh, kind of highfalutin fan base. I know he's a, you know, you know, he's African-American going back to Michigan. He's, he's a member of the Fab Five, historical. Hopefully this will bring the Fab Five, Chris Weber situation, Juwan, all those guys back in the fold a little bit to the program, which will help recruiting and some of that stuff. So interesting to see how Jawan Howard settles in here in Ann Arbor in the, in the coming months. Um, I think it's a good hire, and I think he'll do a good job there. Last, and, last but not least, we want to – Celebrate the life. There's been a couple of tragic accidents in the in the sports world in the last week. The Wisconsin Wisconsin assistant coach Howard Moore, his his family was involved in a horrific car accident, uh, where his wife and his daughter were were were, were killed. Yet his, he and his son were also in the car and they survived. Just a terrible situation. Uh, apparently the driver was going the wrong way on the interstate and hit hit. Hit, hit the Moore family. Just a terrible tragedy. Uh, so um, condolences to the to the Howard Moore family. And in another another tragic situation that's a little closer to home for me, the Auburn family lost their play by play voice, Rob Bramlett. 
uh, Rod, if you if you ever want to YouTube Rod Bramlett, uh, his famous kick six call when Auburn ran the missed field goal back 109 yards for a touchdown against Alabama in the Iron Bowl five or six years back. YouTube Rod Bramlett, uh, he had some tremendous calls as the play-by-play guy for Auburn football, basketball, obviously with Auburn. They went to the Final Four this year for the first time, and so he got to enjoy that. But just a terrible situation. Bramlett, again, was involved in a car accident in Auburn. He and his wife both perished in the car accident. Just a terrible situation. Uh, What makes it worse is that he was hit by a 16-year-old kid. I don't think there was any alcohol or drugs involved. I I don't know the scenario of the accident, but just a terrible situation for that young man as well as for the Rod Bramlett family, the, the family of uh, in the, in the, in his wife's family. and I know he has two kids, and the whole Auburn family is just, just devastated by the loss of one Rod Bramlett. So um, major condolences out to, to, to those two families. Also, Nick Foles, apparently his wife uh, had a medical situation during her pregnancy, and they delivered uh, their child, and the child did not make it through the delivery. So... Shout out to uh, Nick Foles and his wife and their families for the uh, loss of their uh, newborn son uh, during delivery. So, um, t- tough, tough weekend in the world of sports when it comes to that. There was some, some tragedy, but um, have those families in your thoughts as you head into the weekend. Hopefully, you have a great weekend. I'll be, I'll let you know how the Oxford football clinic went during the next podcast. Uh, and again, reach out to us at Kick the FB on Twitter at Kick the FB. Check out my Facebook page, Jason Powers, Powers on Sports Podcast. Catch us on uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, soon to be Radio.com as well. Um, and again, have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports Podcast.